was right around Christmas time, uh, our first year here in 2018, and then our last, my last time to preach will be around Christmas time here uh, in 2021, and what a journey it has been, and I'm just very thankful. Uh, there's a lot of emotions kind of going through, um, just even through my mind and through my heart, as uh, Carrie and I on Wednesday, we drove up to uh, Ohio with a U-Haul, and it wasn't my favorite thing to do, driving through with that big U-Haul and the wind kind of going back and forth, but we made it safely, so we're thankful for that, and we're thankful for the opportunity that God has given us, and you know, I don't have enough time to share everything that God has done and carry in my life and my kids' lives. I'm going to do my best to share and focus on a couple key points here this morning, uh, but I just want to say thank you here at first, uh, I, and, and that is from the deepest part of my heart that I'm just very thankful to you, Pastor, for just the opportunity. And I'll talk a little bit about the, how it transpired for me even to come here. But, uh, you know, each and every one of you, I look around here and I see several people that I, we just love. We just uh, honestly just have been connected in one way or another. And it, it, that's what makes it bittersweet. Uh, you know, obviously walking into a position where the Lord has called us is definitely a sweet part. But leaving such wonderful people is definitely the bitter part. And so again, I just want to say thank you and uh, thank you for the opportunity you've given me. I'm sure you've seen me grow in a lot of areas and I appreciate that. And I appreciate what you have done to in, for me. You know, Pastor has done a lot, but each and every one of you as well has helped make me who I am. And as I go to Pastor here in Ohio, um, I, I'm thankful that you guys are all kind of going with me. So... Uh, just some little things that I've learned from each and every one of you, so thank you uh, for that. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30, uh, and I'm going to share this verse, uh, some verses here with you here in a minute, and we're going to get to this. Uh, pastor asked me to speak, uh, uh, you know, this last time, and uh, you know, I remember when uh, Mike, Mike Bennett had, uh, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, that might happen to me someday way down the road, but you know, it's going to be a long time, and you know, I remember him going off and and, and now is pastoring, doing a wonderful job in Indiana, and, uh, you know, and then Brother Stephen Ashmore, and as his family, and I remember them coming to the youth group, and us honoring the teenagers as they're leaving for their faithfulness, and as they, they, they left, and, you know, I, it didn't even, it, it didn't even sit in my, my that, that I would be soon, and I would be the next person that would be following in those footsteps, but, you know, honestly, uh, you know, I've been in a few churches in my life growing up, and I've never seen what happens here happen anywhere else I've been. And I, that's not to say that's not happening anywhere else, just where I've been. I've never seen it happen to where I've seen not, you know, maybe it, maybe there's churches that send out one of their own or so, but but I've there's just, even in my three years, I've seen several being sent out. I've, you know, we just had the McQueens not too long ago sent off to Paraguay. And just what a blessing and uh, just a fulfillment of the great commission that is. And that's one thing I hope and I pray that the Lord will allow us to do in Ohio is to, uh, you know, from our own, be able to, obviously some will stay, but some will go. And I think that's exactly the way that God had intended it. I'm going to just start off here real briefly, just telling you a little bit about my story. And then we're going to dive into this, this passage here um, in Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to be in verse 25. But uh, let's have a word of prayer, and then I'll, I'll talk a, a little bit here about my story. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for what you do for us. Thank you for the opportunity that you have given me once again to... Uh, to preach your word, and I pray that you just uh, continue to uh, just be with 
uh, this congregation and this, group, this church, as even Carrie and I, we move in a different direction. I'm just so thankful for the influence and the blessing and the wonderful time that we've had here. And I'm thankful for each person that has played a role in our lives and our kids' lives that you would just continue, the, continue to, to work in this church and with Pastor Sam's and the, the, the church body that you would uh, help them as they remain faithful serving you and sending out laborers, Lord, and I'm thankful uh, to be one of those. Lord, thank you for what you do for us. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. The title of my message this morning is, What Has God Taught Me While my, During My Time at River City? Pretty simple. And I want to just share some things. In my early years, I grew up in a Christian home. And, you know, I've, you know, I've heard people say it, you know, from the womb, I was in church. And I was. And, you know, I was in church from the day I was born all the way up, obviously, till now. And uh, you know, a church has been a big part of my life, and I'm very thankful for that, and I don't take that for granted. Church was a huge part of my life. Uh, I went to a Christian school all of my life. I, as soon as I turned four years old, I think my parents were sick of me. They said, go to school. You know, I, they sent me to preschool. I went all the way. Same school from K-4 grade. I went to the same school. Uh, Brother Seth also went to that school, graduated from the same school in Minnesota. It's thankful for the opportunity to go to a Christian school. My whole life was in one church predominantly, one church predominantly, and I, I did not have necessarily, as growing up, I did not necessarily have the closest relationship for, with my dad, and that kind of started a little bit of uh, just some things in my, my life, and I, you know, I tried to connect with, with my dad, and it got to a point to with male leadership in my life, I did everything I possibly could to try to please them, I did everything I could possibly do to seek their approval, and you know, I, a lot of times I wasn't getting it, and it left me in a place to where there, I didn't have a lot of peace, and that was where a lot of that began in my early years. Then as I got into high school, my junior year of high school, I just really uh, felt the Lord was leading me in the direction of ministry. We had a missions conference, and as the missions conference was going on, the, the, the pastor got up and he started talking, and as he uh, began to talk, the Lord really just uh, kept impressing on me uh, that I needed to go forward, I needed to pray, and I needed to just uh, talk to God because he was working in my heart and my life, and I I didn't realize at that moment what he was doing is he was calling me into ministry. He was calling me to preach. And I was thankful for that opportunity uh, as it goes. But I was also very f fearful. I was very, I was, a, I was scared, honestly. I, I was not someone that liked to get up and speak in front of people. I was not someone necessarily that liked to, uh, I was not necessarily someone that liked to uh, be a leader, necessarily a leader. I like to blend in. I like to just do my thing. I didn't like that. So it was very uncomfortable. But you know, I'm thankful that uh, the Lord allowed me to be faithful and just follow that call in my life. And, you know, I went to one of the colleges my church has approved. And, you know, that was a thing. And I'm, the church I grew up in, they approved of maybe three or four different colleges. And so the, I, went, I just, you know, I didn't know anything else. I didn't know anything better. All I knew is my pastor, I said I was called to ministry. And what he told me, he said, go to Bible college. And so, you know, I, honestly, I, I've kind of learned some different things since I've been here that I almost wish that I could have stayed in the church and learned and grown. And, and maybe, you know, and, and obviously God had a plan because he allowed me to do that here. And I'm thankful for that. But I didn't have that same opportunity. I stayed in basically the same box. And I was there. And I stayed in that box. I, you know, I, I, I still at that time was seeking approval of male leadership in my life. So when I was at the college, I would do everything I could to get uh, the attention of the, 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 the staff and the faculty and the pastor at the church there. You know, it, it was like if he knew, if he remembered my name, I was like, yeah, that's awesome. And in a sense, it became I was idolizing and seeking after man's approval more than anything else. 
And it just continued to go that way from my early years. And I started there, and I stayed in the same box. I played basketball. I got good grades. And I worked on trying to please everyone I possibly could. I tried to be the best person I possibly could. This sinner standing in front of you today, uh, you know, where it says my righteousness is as filthy rags, I tried to be perfect. And I have tried to do that many times in my life. Uh, uh, in the early years with my father, in my high school and college years with uh, the, the pastor and the, the, the president and the, the authority at the high school and college, I tried to do that. Then I, after I graduated in 2000, 2008 with my uh, bachelor's and master's from that college, I moved back to Minnesota and I, I sought to uh, be in ministry and I started in my first 10 years of ministry at the same church that I grew up in. I left college and started working at this church and you know what, I stayed in the same box. I didn't really know a whole lot besides what I had been in my whole life. I, outside of it, there are certain things, you know, I even came here and, uh, it, it, you know, I'm just like, whoa, like that's, that's different. That's something. And, you know, I was always taught what I was supposed to think. I was always taught what I was supposed to say. I was always all these things. And, and you know, I was in a sense taught that, you know, I needed to focus on standards. I, need, I was taught that I needed to focus on everything else but God. I stayed in that same box. I worked in many different areas and wore many different hats. I thought that serving in every ministry I possibly could would gain the approval of my pastor. And that's not the reason we should serve. That's not the reason that we should, that, that we should try here as we are uh, going through our Christian life. And that's not our purpose. I didn't realize that for quite some time. I just, you know, I became a yes man. I became, this is what I got to do. Because again, I was seeking the approval of somebody else whose name was not God. And you can fill in the blank, anybody along my, my life, anybody in that box that I lived in, of who I was trying. And listen, I tried. I tried to be the best I could. I tried. I tried so hard. I, I, again, it got me to a point where I was burned out. Have you been there before? Are you there now? I was burned out. I remember times just going and at an activity, uh, sitting in a bus, crying my eyes out because I didn't know what to do. Lord, there must be something more to life than trying to, to I'm, I'm a good person. I really am. I do everything I'm supposed to. I got good grades in college. I, I, I've done everything. I, I, anytime someone asks me to do something, I say, yes, I'll do it. Even if I have to sacrifice other things that should be more important. I did it. And I'm pouring my eyes out there. I'm burned out. I don't know what else to do. I, I, I was borderline depressed and honestly felt worthless. And listen, this is a young man that grew up in church. This is a young man that went to Christian school all of his life. This is a young man that, that went to a Bible college. And I'm sitting on a bus one day, crying my eyes out, borderline depressed, burned out, feeling worthless. Asking God, I know there's more to life than this. I was still striving to find my acceptance in man. I got to a point and I met my wife Carrie. Halfway through my 10 years of working in ministry there, I also started working at a drug and alcohol treatment facility. Those first, those two occurrences in my life, marrying my wife Carrie and working at a drug and alcohol treatment facility changed the course of my life because they were the first two things in my life where I stepped outside of that box. My wife didn't grow up the same way I did. 
I'm going to tell you a funny story, and, and don't laugh too much at this, all right? So my wife, we weren't even dating yet, and some of you, this might just blow your mind. Some of you might understand, but we were just dating, and, or just before we were dating, and she came. I was coaching. Actually, I'm pretty sure Seth was playing. And I was coaching a game, and we have a balcony up on top of our, our gymnasium that goes around the whole gymnasium. And I saw her as I was coaching, and she went, and she stood up there. And she, she, was, she, she was there, and she, obviously we were just getting, we were interested in each other and different things like that. Well, anyways, the game went by, we talked, and everything went well, and all of that, and she went on her way. Well, the next day, I was going to see her down, she lived about an hour from me, and all of a sudden, my phone rings. And it's my grandmother. And my grandmother, she picks up the phone and she tells me, she's like, hey, I heard that you were, you had your, your girlfriend was here and she was wearing pants. She said, you're such, you promised me that you wouldn't compromise. And she, you promised me, you promised me that you were going to preach and you're called to preach. And how can you do that if your wife's wearing pants? Oh, man, I was so frustrated. But it's the first time I really saw outside of my box. You know what's funny about that story? My grandma wasn't even at the game. So what happened is, is there was someone that saw that my wife was wearing pants and decided to call my grandmother. And my grandmother gave me a piece of her mind. You know, to this day, my grandmother and my wife have a great relationship. And I'm thankful for that. But I called my mom after that, and I was just distraught. And I was like, I don't understand. And then I looked myself in the mirror, and I was like, you know, this is a lot like who you are. I started working at the drug and alcohol treatment facility, and I see people and it was honestly they weren't Baptist it wasn't a Baptist company it was assembly of God and I saw people there that had genuine walks and relationships with Jesus Christ and I was like whoa you can do that outside of this box that I live in and absolutely and I started to think and I started to get uncomfortable again I was depressed feeling worthless I didn't know what to do and I called Pastor Sanders. I had a friend that said, you know, you should reach out, start looking. And I was like, I don't even know where to look because everywhere I look is in that box. And technically, Pastor Sam's was connected with that box too. And I, the, every name they said, and I, they gave me three or four names and I only called one. And it was Pastor and I called Pastor on the phone, and I'm sure he still remembers it. I remember this day. He was in a place where he was defeated as well. There's just some, some situations that had happened, and he was honestly like, I don't, I don't know if you want to come. And I was like, I'm, I'm distraught on the other end thinking, you know, I'm, I'm willing to go anywhere else. What do you think, you know, and as it, as it went on, but he had told me, he said, you know, well, eventually he's like, you, you could come, but I don't really have a, anything to offer you as far as a salary. And I'm 10 years in ministry, and I'm thinking, what do I do? You know, I, I've been taught my whole life, you never get out of ministry. You never do that. You, once you're in ministry, you always stay in ministry. And, and, you know, obviously now my whole mindset is changed on uh, being a part of ministry and what it is. Because every single person in this room is a part of ministry. Yeah, right. 
And my mindset changed, and I think that, you know, honestly, I look at that, and I see, and as I looked at that, and I'm like, okay, you know. And I even went back about a couple months later, and I put my resume back on Facebook, and all of a sudden, my phone rings. You know who it was? Pastor Sam's. And he said, hey, did, did something change? You know, are you, are you not interested in coming here anymore? And I, I shared with him. I said, you know, I, I just, I'm just trying to see because, you know, I... I was getting a lot of pressure that I needed to be in a position to where I was getting paid from the church. Finally, as we, we talked for probably about a year, I remember being at our Bible camp, and it was one of the hardest camps that I had ever led. Basically, the guy that was hired to replace me, last second, my pastor told me to cancel the speaker that I had and told me to have that guy there. So the guy already, I'm feeling bitter, worthless, all of that. Now this guy is there preaching, and all of the kids and all the people are all saying, look, you know, uh, this is our new youth pastor, and I, it, it, what, it didn't make me feel any better. And I remember going outside, and Carrie and I were sitting there talking, and I talked to pastor, and he's like, you know, I'm, I want to see if you would like to come and just help with our youth group and, you know, work as a team. And, and you know, at that point, as soon as he said that, I was sold. We came down here to visit. It was pretty much a formality. And we, we got here, and, and, and it's been great. My first year at River City, I worked at Lighthouse Christian School. I helped lead the youth group. I officially joined in that June the staff at River City, and I've been on staff up until last Wednesday. I began my detox from tired to finding true rest in Jesus Christ. Last two years at River City, I found freedom in Christ. I found my identity I found my worth in Christ. I have seen many people saved and baptized and growing, and I've had the freedom to lead ministries that are outreach-oriented. By finding my security in Christ, he also gave me a church family that loves me and supports me and my family. My two kids were born here. So don't just think that we're just going to forget about you guys. They were born here. We became debt-free, and we were healthy across the board. I came in an emotional mess, and I'm walking out with a confidence that I've never had before. And it brings me to this day, my last Sunday at River City. River City has served its purpose in my life. It will look a little different to us from now because it will be from a distance, but River City was the place where God healed me. River City was the place where we stepped outside of the box. River City was the place where we took our two biggest steps of faith, moving here and now moving on to Ohio. God has done so much for me while I've been here at River City. And I just want to share. And I won't take too much time here. But now I'm going to get into the expository portion of scripture that pastor has taught us so well here as well. So this morning I want to share with you three truths that I've learned from my time at River City. Let's look at our verses here. In verse 25 of Matthew chapter 11 it says, At the time Jesus answered and said, I thank you Father, Lord of heaven and earth. That you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden 
is like. So I want to share these three, three truths that I learned, and I'll be done here this morning. Number one, I learned the importance of depending on God. If we look at our first two verses here, it says, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them unto babes. When I came here, I had no clue what God's plan. I thought I was done with youth ministry. I thought it was over. I was, again, like I mentioned, I was discouraged. I was distraught. I had no intention of ever becoming a senior pastor, nor did I think that I was in a place, or I know I wasn't in a place, to where that would have been a good thing. Because I wasn't depending on God. I was depending on doing good things. I was depending on earthly relationships. There was a lot that I was depending on that, in a sense, you know what I was being? I was being wise and prudent. And God was hiding from me the things that he so desired for me to have in the future. And he had to get me to a point to where he could reveal them, and I had to become more, in a sense, like a babe. Understand this, God is sovereign in his revelation. God is sovereign in his revelation. Listen, you guys, you may not understand what your purpose is for being at River City Baptist Church. I would get into the Bible, I would get on your knees... I would listen to a message and depend on God like Elias depends on my wife. God is sovereign in his revelation. Next, God gives us salvation through our humility. Verse 25, we see this again. It says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them unto babes. You think of the story of Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And he's asking God, you know, he's already born. And he's like, do I have to be born again? Do I have to be born a second time? Do I have to basically come out of my mother's womb a second time? You know, this man who was prestigious, this man who had everything, this man by worldly terms was it, popular, famous. You know, he was wealthy. He had everything you can think of. But he had to get to the points of becoming a babe in Christ. He had never put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ through our salvation. And as I, myself, in my journey, in my walk, in my life, as I, I understood this, I basically had to break everything down that I had ever learned, that I had ever been taught. The only thing that at one point, my first year being here, that I realized I still had left was my salvation. I started at a point, at being in ministry, being a Christian school, graduating from Bible college, everything that you would look at, I was a Nicodemus in a sense. I still was, I, I, was, I knew I was saved, I knew that, but I honestly did not know anything else in what I believed. So in a sense, I was a newborn babe. I had to humble myself. I had to understand that my wisdom, the things I knew, all the stuff, all the sermons that I heard and everything that went, went on in my life and the times that I have served and all the years that I had served God. I'd been in ministry for 10 years. I'd been in church since I was born. All of that, I had to understand that my wisdom wasn't what was going to save me. My wisdom isn't what saved me. My prudence wasn't what saved me. I had to humble myself. When we humble ourselves, we have to understand it is good in the sight of God. 
verse 26 says this. It says, even so, Father, for it so it seemed good in your sight. You know, when we humble ourselves to the point to where we have a dependence on God, like a baby has a dependence on its mother, we uh, will understand what verse 26 says, that it is good in his sight. Listen, that is the only way that we should come to Christ, is humbly before him. There's no other way. There's no other way. Listen, I've tried it. If there's almost anyone, I'm sure there's some of you are like me. I've tried every other way. I've tried to be good. I've tried to serve God. I've tried to serve, serve God without God. You know what that means? <laughs> I think some of you probably do. I was going soul winning. I was singing the songs. But who was I doing it for? Was I doing it for myself? Was I doing it for another human being? Because I certainly wasn't doing it for God. Can anyone relate with that? When we humble ourselves, it is good in the sight of God. Listen, all the good that I was trying to get in the sight of man, I was focused on the wrong person. God wanted me to see that it was good in his sight that I need to humble myself to him. I didn't need to humble myself to my dad, to my pastor, to all of these people. I need to humble myself to God. We are humble. It is good in the sight of God. And why? It will bring him honor. It will bring him glory. It shows us our thankfulness for his grace. Luke 18, the, the story, I shared this in one of my first messages here, the story of the Pharisee and the publican. When they went up into the temple to pray, and how the, the, the publican came humbly before God and recognized his failures. Listen, there, there, ain't, there ain't nobody that walked in here perfect. And, and listen, there's not going to be nobody that walks out of here perfect. And I had to understand that. That Pharisee, you know, he got up and he came to the temple thinking he was perfect. And he said, well, I, I hope I don't, I'm not like that publican. And I pray and I hope for the rest of my life that I'm a lot more like that publican. 1 Corinthians 1 says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not uh, many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. You know, there's a reason I think that God doesn't use the mighty as much and God doesn't use uh, the, the wise as much because they think they know better. God wants people that are weak. God wants people that are, uh, that are um, foolish. And God wants these things because they're like that publican. They don't know any better except to humble themselves before the Lord. Nicodemus, he was prestigious by worldly terms, but he had to start all over as a newborn babe. So we need to depend on God like a baby depends on their parents. So number, number the first thing that I learned is the importance of depending on God. Secondly, I learned the importance of resting in God. You know, I came here very tired. I came here very worn out. I came here very discouraged. I de definitely didn't understand what it meant to rest in God. In order to find rest in God, first of all, 
I must come to him. You know, if we look at our passage here, verse 28, it says, come to me. You know, I think we want that rest. I think I desire that. I think I sought advice from people on how to get that. But I was forgetting one thing. I wasn't going to God. I wasn't asking God to help me. I wasn't asking God to give me rest. I was trying to seek it in everyone else. I was trying to, to, to get it on my own. I needed to go to God. I, need, I learned the importance of resting in God, and I realized I need to come to him. It takes faith and grace in salvation and sanctification. Our faith in God's grace, we have to understand we need that in, in order for us to truly rest in God. And I don't know if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know Christ as your savior and I would be remiss if this was the last message I was able to preach at River City Baptist Church and I didn't say please accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior please don't leave those doors I don't know I, I, I feel like Asante and some of you other guys on a regular base have shared with me how one of your friends has passed away and you know I, you've shared with me I think Asante the other day you were telling me about it and, and I, it's every time you're like man there's another, another kid I went to school with or another kid I knew in high school that has died Listen, don't, we don't know what's going to happen when you walk out those doors. We don't know. And I, I, I would, again, I'd be remiss if the last time, this may be the last time you ever hear me speak. This may be the last time. And if there's one thing, I shared several things with our teenagers on, on what they can, you know, just some, some last thoughts that from my heart, some things that hopefully can help them. But I throw all of that away. The one thing that I would encourage you is to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you haven't been able to find rest, maybe that's the reason. Maybe that's the reason. You're struggling. You don't know. You don't know what's, what's going on in life. You, you're bouncing around. You're thinking you're, things are difficult. You're discouraged. You're, you're, you're like me at that point. And, you know, thankfully I had one thing that kept me going that I think is one of the main reasons why I am going to be able to walk out of here in a couple weeks, stand up every Sunday in front of a congregation and preach, and that was my salvation. That was the faith that I put in Christ, and also I'm thankful for the grace that God has shown. Both parties are needed. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know what? This is going to be a hard one, but it takes submission. It takes submission. Whether you're saved or you're not saved, the Christian life is about submission. Are you submitting to God? The Holy Spirit says, hey, you know, I think you should do this. What's your first instinct? Is your first instinct, no? Is your first instinct, ah, that's too hard? Because, you know, if you look at the Bible, I, I, I think of several times it says there's nothing too hard for God. It's going to be too hard if you're trying to do it on your own. It's going to be too hard. Listen, you all could be helping me, but I would take God over all of you. I'm sorry. It takes submission. It takes us submitting. Submission to Jesus Christ brings the greatest liberation a person can experience. Actually, the only true liberation he can experience because only through Christ is he free to become what God created him to be. You know, I want you guys to get this. I'm going to read this one more time. Submission to Jesus Christ brings the greatest liberation 
a person can experience. Actually, the only true liberation he can experience. Because only through Christ is he freed to become what God created him to be. Someone once asked me, what is the number one thing that's the difference between River City and any other church? Why would you move all the way from Minnesota knowing nobody and coming down here to Florida? The chance to be free. Freedom. Now you see, here's the issue. I was already free. I was bounding myself. Because as soon as I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he made me free. But I was still slaving as if I wasn't saved. And how sad is it as Christians when we live and we say we're a Christian, but we don't live like we're a Christian. You know, the only way to be free is to submit to Christ. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 1 John 5.3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So in our verse, we see heavy laden, we see a burden. It's because that's what's going to happen. When you strive to please and you strive to, to take control yourself and please man, you, what you're doing is you're burdening yourself. You have to understand that when you, put your, you submit to Christ, his commands are not burdensome. In order to find rest in God, it takes faith and grace and salvation and sanctification. It takes submission. It takes belief. Uh, John uh, 6.35 says, And Jesus said unto him, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. And uh, you ultimately, you have to understand, you are forgiven. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Listen, you're forgiven. So why don't we act like it? I certainly didn't all my life I was weary are you weary I was heavy laden are you heavy laden when I came to Jacksonville this was the state I was in weary here in the Greek means working to the point of utter exhaustion Jesus showed this same exhaustion in John 4 verse 6 does anyone know what happened in that chapter now Jacob's well was there Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey. Same weary there as it is here in our text. He was wearied from his journey. He sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. This is one of the greatest exchanges in the whole Bible. Jesus and the woman at the well. And even though Jesus was weary, Jesus was able to share what living water truly was. You can only do that if you truly are resting in God. Heavy laden means that an already tired person has even more dumped on their plate. You know, you're going to show up for work tomorrow, you're already tired, and guess what? You're probably going to get more dumped on your plate. But I want to encourage you, no matter what's dumped on your plate, no matter what the world uh, wearies you with or makes uh, put a burden on you, God can give you rest. When I think of heavy laden, I think of the time that I had too much sushi. 
You know, I was with Carrie, I think it was. I don't remember who else was there. And, you know, if you've ever been to all-you-can-eat sushi, and now I know some of you are like, ick, I would stay far away from that. Well, that's good because you can save the rest for Pastor and I. But, you know, um, but anyways, we were there having sushi. I don't remember who is with me. And, you know, if you don't eat all your sushi, they have this little rule that you have to pay 25 cents per, per, per piece that's left over. Well, I'm always determined, and, and I don't know if any of you are like me, you give in your, your, your sheet and it comes out, and you're like, oh, okay, I'm done. And then they bring you out a whole plate of sushi, and you're like, I am almost positive I did not order this. But then you realize i got to eat it all. And, you know, I was just in one of those times, and, you know, we always have competitions, me and Brother Aaron, and whoever, who has the longest receipts. Uh, it's, like, it's a proud moment for a man. It's a proud moment. Thankfully, Brother, Ch- Brother Aaron took me out here, and, and I won this last time, so I'm appreciative of that. But, and that's very hard, if you know Aaron. He can, he can put down a lot of sushi. But anyways, I ate so much, and I don't know if you've been there to where you ate so much. I told Carrie, I was like, hey, we're going to have to walk a little bit. So if you've ever been down to San Marco, there's an area there that, that kind of there. I walked about ten times around that circle. To try to make sure I felt, I was like, I think I'm good. We get in the car. I was not good. And, you know, I'll spare you the rest of the story. But I was heavy laden at that time. Okay? I know that's a little bit silly. But, you know, at times that's a lot what happens is we try to, oh, you know, I can handle this. We'll put it on here. Oh, I can do this by myself. Put it on our shoulder and pretty soon. You know, hey, you know, it's okay. As long as I walk around a little bit, I'll be fine. You know, uh, you know, and another burden comes, and you're like, I got this. And, you know, all along, we're like, uh, God, you know, he's kind of in the back seat. We don't need him yet. And, you know, it's putting another sushi in my mouth. I'm good. I'm good. I got this. I've, you know, I've eaten, this, I've eaten so much before. I got this. I didn't have it. And, you know, what usually happens Something disastrous happens when it's too late. You don't even realize it, and all of a sudden, you stand up from the table, and you're like, oh, my word, what am I going to do? My stomach hurts. I feel like I'm about to explode. The same thing in our lives. We put so much on us, and all of a sudden, we're like, I think I need God now. Help me, God. And God's sitting there. I feel like sometimes be like, all right, I'll help you, but like, walked with you through everything when you need me in the first place. I could have been there. As soon as you put one burden, I could have taken it off of you. You didn't ask, though. You know, hey, you know, you, you tried to please this person and all that. And, you know, I let you. I gave you a free choice. I gave you a free will. You did it. You know, I, I, was, I was always here. I was always available. But I was burdened. I was heavy laden. And I tried to do it all on my own and not... Get God's help. So what is the difference? John MacArthur says, weary refers to the internal exhaustion caused by seeking divine truth through human wisdom. Heavy laden suggests the external burdens caused by the futile efforts of works righteousness. Sounds a lot about my, like my life. When I came here, I was heavy laden. I was so stressed out from trying to keep up with the standard-based ministry. The only way I could have been successful is if I was perfect. It is a shame when our rule book is bigger than our Bible. It is a shame when we adhere to our rule books more than we adhere to the Bible. When we do this, it will only leave us as burdened and heavy laden like it did me. 
Matthew 23, 4 says, For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Listen, the burdens and the, and the stresses that are in your life right now, stop trying to move them on your own. Seek the Lord. He can help you. John MacArthur also says it this way. Jesus calls to himself everyone who is exhausted from trying to find and please God in his own resources. For me, this was serving in as many ministries as I could. For me, this was trying to please everyone in all I did. For me, this was sacrificing my family for the cause of ministry. For me, this was sacrificing my health to please and be there whenever the pastor needed me to be. For me, this was not showing any chinks in my armor. Listen, it's okay to admit that you're not perfect. For me, this was looking, saying, and being the best Christian I could be by worldly terms. Doing all this led me to be burned out, depressed, have a ton of anxiety, and have no peace in my life. But after being here at River City, God has done a great work. I've learned to live my life for the audience of one. When I've done this, I have found true rest in Christ. And by me saying that, that doesn't mean that I have completely solved solved this issue. I'm going to continue to need to seek God. How do we get away from this type of lifestyle? Sometimes it's almost harder than getting out of a gang. Obviously, none of you have been in a gang, so you don't realize how hard that probably is. My dad was a police officer and worked a lot with gang, the gang units, and it was a very difficult thing because there were several guys that would try to get out and couldn't. It was very difficult. It was very hard, and sometimes, you know, it... In a sense, the people would lose their life over it. You know, the same thing in Christian life. We can get to a point where we will lose our life over focusing on things that really don't matter. I want to encourage you. Jesus will give you rest. Rest in the Greek means to refresh or revive as from hard work or a difficult journey. And finally, I'll be quick with this. I learned about the heart of Jesus. Before coming to Jacksonville, I had a hard time understanding how Jesus really felt about me. This is the only time in the Bible, in verse uh, 29, where we see here, he says, For I am gentle and lonely in heart. This is the only time in the Bible that Jesus talks about his heart. Jesus has a humble heart, a gentle heart. If you've never read the book, Gentle and Lowly, by Dane Ortland, I want to encourage you to do that. I'm going to finish the message by just sharing some things about the heart of Christ. Because if there's one thing that I'd like to leave with you, I would like to leave with you uh, the idea of understanding truly what Christ's heart is all about. Jesus understands us more than we probably understand ourselves. Jesus understands what we are going through. Jesus is always willing to welcome us back, similar to the prodigal son, because he has not moved. Jesus does not promise an easy life, but he does promise us he will walk through life with us. Jesus is balanced in his wrath and his gentleness. When we sin, he comes to us with a tender heart. And I think a lot of us, uh, we look at God like, man, if I sin, God's going to be so mad at me. I've heard so many people say, I can't go back to church. Uh, I've, I've done so much bad, I can't darken the doors of that church. I'm ashamed, I'm guilty, I, can't, I just can't do it. Listen, God's heart is there for you. It's gentle and it's lowly. He's not all about wrath. He is about gentleness as well. Jesus must be viewed in the way the Bible presents him. Before you start going and making up your mind about who Jesus is, would you read your Bible first? 
The love that Jesus has in his heart for us is extraordinary and impossible for us to completely understand its magnitude. The heart of Jesus is within us through the Holy Spirit. He is not distant from us. We make ourselves distant from him, but truly when you seek him, he is not that distant. Jesus shares in our pain before he heals us from our pain. Jesus understands the cost of sin more than we ever will. We can have a similar gentle and lowly heart when we seek and learn more and more about the heart of Jesus. Jesus will never reject anyone, anyone from his love. When we put our faith in Christ, we will eternally have a good place of refuge in the heart of Jesus. River City has taught me a lot. You all have taught me a lot. I have learned that I can depend on God for everything. I have learned that true rest comes from the Lord. And I've learned more about the heart of Christ. And I desire to continue to keep learning more and more about his heart. When someone asks me what is the difference from where I was at to where I am now, I usually only say one word, freedom. Not that I didn't have the freedom in Christ before, but now I have learned to rest in the freedom that Christ has given me. Friend, are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Come to him, and he can and will and has given rest. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank for this day. Lord, thank for the opportunity that you've given me one last time just to speak. And Lord, I don't know if there's anyone in this room that can resonate with my story. Maybe they're feeling heavy. Maybe they're feeling that burden. Maybe they're feeling weary. I'm not sure, Lord. I, I just don't know. But I pray that you would just work in their hearts and their lives. And Lord, finally, I pray that you would be with anyone. If there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you as their Savior, that they would get that taken care of here today. I pray, Lord, I beg of you that you would, if you're speaking to their heart, that you would give them the courage to set aside their pride and humble themselves, humbly come before you and realize and understand their need of a relationship with you. Lord, I pray as we go our way that you'd keep us safe, uh, help us to have a great Christmas, and help us to continue to remember the reason for this season, and that's you, Lord. We love you in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we close in a worship song? We're going to have Eric and Carrie come down here to the front. And I want to encourage some of us during this song to come and pray with them, that God would bless them and be with them on their way. And especially some of our pastors and deacons that are here, but others that want to just pray with them. We're going to pray for safety as they travel to Ohio. But more importantly than that, pray for God's best uh, on their ministry in Dayton, Ohio at Landmark Baptist Church. So we're going to have some uh, folks come up and pray, and we're going to sing together, My Jesus, I Love Thee, and I'll give you some announcements in just a moment. I also want, um, I want to, Asante, I want you to come up here, if you will. One of my favorite things about this whole uh, story, Eric's obviously done a great job with uh, our teens reaching people with the gospel through basketball and other ministries. And I know there have been a few people ask me, hey, how are we going to continue on? You know, Eric's leaving a gap. Of course he is. And, uh, and everybody that's doing their job in ministry should leave a gap when they go. But one of the things I'm really thankful for is that uh, Eric led Asante to the Lord, and we baptized Asante not too long ago. 
And uh, at least that portion of the ministry, the basketball, the gym, the uh, outreach there in the community, Asante is going to now lead that in Eric's stead. Isn't that exciting? Uh, you know, I tell you.